0: Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast, where we share practical therapy tips and ideas for busy speech language pathologists. Grab your favorite beverage and sit back as we dive into this week's episode. This month, we are talking all things AAC and literacy with Vanita Litfack. So head to episode 102 to get the getting started. Phase. And if you've already been listening to the episodes, just join us to continue learning more about AAC literacy and comprehensive emergent letters.
1: So the third area is alphabet and phonological awareness. So we're going to be talking about different activities to use for that area, but I think when we talk about the terms phonological and alphabet knowledge, it kind of brings back nightmares from grad school. So I'll just provide some brief definitions for both of those, because if you're anything like me, it was definitely crossed over the two definitions. So phonological awareness is the ability to identify and manipulate sounds in spoken language. And then alphabet knowledge includes the ability to distinguish letter shapes, name them, write them, and identify the sounds they represent. So now that we've talked about both of those, let's get into the activities that we can address for both. Interestingly, what I read in that book that I referenced in the beginning is that Treeman, Levin, and Kessler in 2007 found that teaching a letter of the week or month is not the appropriate amount of time to learn each letter. And I thought that was so fascinating and super applicable to even like a core word of the week approach, which that's a whole nother topic. But they found that this is the case because if they're doing a letter of the week, it's going to take 26 weeks for that letter to be revisited again. Unless, you know, it's being embedded in daily routines, but really to be like specifically targeted It's going to be another 26 weeks before it's reintroduced. It's almost the entire school year. And it just is not enough time for students to embed that letter, use it in functional ways. So instead, what they recommend is that you use a letter of the day approach so that letters are retaught every 26 days using the following routine. They want you to identify the letter, identify the sound of the letter find the letter in text, and write the letter. So those four components are really important for teaching a letter. Any questions about that? Because I know that was a lot of information.
0: No, I think that makes sense. I really appreciated just defining what we're talking about with phonological awareness and alphabet knowledge. And I think that's a really great tip of focusing on using the letter of the day approach versus the week or the month. And yeah, I love the four strategies that you shared too. So I feel like this is so incredibly actionable. I'm curious to hear if you have any other tips for this area. Okay,
1: perfect. So- we'll move on to ideas for phonological awareness instruction. So these are fun. And I'm sure that a lot of these, you know, you've heard of, you can go on Pinterest for some ideas on addressing phonological awareness, but things like clapping out syllables, listening to nursery rhymes, even raps for your older students, poetry, and playing alliteration games. And like I said, Pinterest has so many different activities that you can do to address those areas. And then in terms of alphabet instruction, same thing. You can use alphabet books, alphabet puzzles, games, student names, environmental print. There's so many different ways that you can address that just by looking at ideas on Pinterest. And if I didn't say this already, Erickson and Copenhaver recommend doing this for about 20 to 30 minutes a day. So explicit alphabet and phonological awareness instruction.
0: Perfect. I think that's a really great overview and starting point. And each of these areas could potentially be a whole podcast. So I think we'll leave it at this and maybe we can revisit if we have time at the end, just to kind of break it down a little bit more. But I think this is a really awesome place to start. So what's the next one? So the next two areas,
1: they're much shorter. They're not as dense. So we'll go through those pretty quick. The last two areas were independent writing and self-directed reading. Some ideas for promoting independent writing 20 to 30 minutes a day is to provide access to a variety of writing materials such as crayons, pencils, dry erase markers, alphabet letters, computers, AAC device. So the idea here is to provide access to a ton of different writing materials, not just a pen and paper or pencil and paper, and then make sure to ask the student to read aloud what they have written and write it down for them. So a training that I just attended, it was so fascinating because she had us go through different writing examples. And we know that like emergent writing is not letter based. It's forming circles, forming lines, doing little drawings that communicate a message. So she had us look at these drawings. And then she told her what the child explained the story behind the picture was. And then she would ask us, you know, as a student, an emergent writer or a conventional writer. And I just thought that was so fun. Like if your students are not writing conventionally, like with letters, you can definitely have them tell you the story behind their drawing or their writing and summarize it for them on like another page by writing it down so they can see what that looks like. And then One really special thing is, you know, when your parents would put up your writing on like your refrigerator or like a board, it's really special for kids to be motivated to keep writing more by publishing their writing that way. So, you know, if you can put it up in your speech room or in the classroom, maybe have like a writing corner or like a board, that would be really helpful as well.
0: No, that's perfect. Those are such great ideas. And I'm curious too, because you could potentially use. Some of the RAP strategies that you talked about here too, with some of these students, if we ask them and they don't respond within a couple of seconds, we probably want to wait a little bit longer. Do you have any additional strategies when it comes to talking to students or asking students about what they wrote? That's a really, really
1: good question. And I would assume that they dive into that in the book that I presented in the beginning. So I would recommend looking at that on the top of my head. I don't have like a framework for writing like I do with the shared reading, but it's a really good thought because if it hasn't been developed, then that might be a nice thing for somebody to look into.
0: Yeah. And if they don't have well-researched answers for us, I think we can definitely pull from some of the other strategies you've shared to make that happen. Yeah. I love that. I'm loving these tips so far. (laughs) So what about self-directed reading? Yeah,
1: self-directed reading. So that was the last area of comprehensive emergent literacy instruction. And some ideas that are recommended to promote independent reading include building a library of reading materials, It's important to note that this should be done about 10 to 15 minutes a day. So, you know, depending on the time that you see this child or the time that you see the group, that might not be feasible for your group if you're only seeing them for 30 minutes. But again, working with the teacher to provide that additional time for self-directed reading, providing access to magazines, newspapers, newspapers song lyrics, reading apps, comic books, Audible, all of those different ways that they can access reading because believe it or not, Audible reading, like read alouds is reading. And there's tons of research to support that. I just heard it recently and it reaffirmed that because it's definitely questionable, but it is still considered reading. So it's important for people to keep that in mind and provide access to that for students. And then you want to provide a variety of materials so that all the students have access to something they want to read. So not necessarily materials, but maybe genres. So some students might like to read comic. Some students might like to read like fantasy, fiction, sports. So it's important to provide a variety of reading materials to them. And then at the end of the self-directed reading, this is
0: really important. Have the students share out what they read about. That is perfect. You just shared a ton of different strategies, lots of different resources and things that we can use, but there's a lot, definitely way more than can fit in one session. So how do you go about planning your group lessons to incorporate these strategies and just tips for making this happen in general? That's such a good question.
1: And I think it's so important because looking at the research is one thing, but putting it into practice is a totally different thing. So you explained what my role is now. And I'll just be very transparent here. I am an assistive technology specialist. So now I support teachers and SLPs in the middle school. But I did work in a charter school for children with autism when I first got started. And so I'll kind of explain what that looked like when I was doing AAC and literacy in group lessons, when I was doing collaborative lessons with the teacher. So it's going to look a little bit different than what I described. And I think you do what you can until you know better. And I'll explain what I did. And then maybe some things I might change knowing what I know now. So... One of the things that I did in terms of shared reading is that I would pick a book or theme of the week, which I know you're really passionate about. And that's great. So I pick a book or theme of the week. And if it could go along with the academic lesson, all the better. So I would talk with the teachers about what they were working on and try to pick a book that went along with that. And then I would identify core and French vocabulary that can be modeled while reading which is important when you're doing that wrap strategy. And then I provide access to AAC. So students could use their personal AAC systems or Big Macs. And on the Big Mac, I might put like a repetitive phrase that I want the student to say so if we're reading a book like brown bear brown bear what do you see I might have that whole phrase or I might have what do you see on the big mac and the students that don't have an AEC system they can take turns pushing the button so they feel like they're helping me read and then I don't know Marisha are you familiar with story grammar marker I feel like you would be yes Okay. I loved Story Grammar Marker and I would use the Brady doll to discuss story elements after the reading. So we would talk about the character, the setting, and the story sequence using the Story Grammar Marker doll. And then in order to address shared writing, I would pick a phrase that relates to the book, such as, Say we're reading brown bear again, maybe I see a, and then the students, we could do that predictable chart writing with them filling out what they see. So each student would say, I see a teacher, I see a chair, whatever they see at the moment that they want to say for their little phrase. I like to reiterate this, depending on how often you go into the classroom, you can do each step of the predictable chart writing or some steps and help the teacher or even assign homework to the parent. And then in order to address alphabet knowledge and phonological awareness, every day I would sing a letter song with my groups. So you can find these on Pinterest or TPT. Mine were cards. And so for each letter, it had a sound that went with the letter and we would sing it out as a group. This was really for my like younger elementary school age kiddos. And then in order to also address the phonological and alphabet knowledge, we would incorporate the academic words. So the programs that the teachers that I worked with used provided like words of the month and these tended to be a lot of sight words. So there's a lot of crossover between sight words and core words. So we put it up on a word wall or they might already have it up on a word wall and we would try to read the words, clap them out, spell them out. And there's other research out there, other strategies that are pretty well known, at least in the education field on how to target those words
0: as a group and do phonological awareness instruction with those words. I love the practical examples here and just what this could look like in practice. And then I have just a quick experience shared too. I worked in an autism preschool. This was my first job that I had. So I didn't know all of this research yet. And I totally resonate with what you said about you do what you can until you know better, because there's definitely no way to know it all when we first start out. But I was able to use a lot of these strategies when I went into the classroom. Like for me, circle time was a really good time to make that happen because the teacher was already using, like we did songs so we could work on We had an alphabet song. We would show the letters. We had a lot of that alphabet phonological awareness aspects built into that routine. And then I would always bring in a book and do some different activities around that. At this level, a lot of the students were just using like a single switch button, like the Big Mac or whatnot. And we included some of those different activities. And we identified the core vocabulary that we wanted to target during that if I were going back, I think I would have done the wrap strategy. And I don't know, did they say in the book, which ages you would start this with? Like, would you do the sentence activity with preschool too? They
1: did say that you can start pretty young. I haven't gotten to a point where they said there's a, like a specific age limit they give ideas for targeting these areas with different age groups, but they didn't say that a child is too young, but I haven't completely finished it. So I don't want to say that they do or they
0: don't. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause I was in a typical preschool too, where they definitely did activities in, in the autism preschool. They also did activities with their names and letters and all of that. But I know in the general preschool, they cut up sentences and things like that. So I've seen it in practice and I've seen little kiddos do it. So I am definitely going to check out this book because it sounds like an amazing resource for this population. So I'm so grateful you shared that. But yeah, I think it's just really helpful because I think a lot of us, as we're listening to this, we're able to identify strategies that we've used in our practice. And this is just a way to celebrate what we're doing and reinforce those activities that we are using. And then maybe think of some things to add to our own session or to work with the teachers on like, hey, I heard that this was really great. The reason that I wanted to share my preschool experience was I would go in on Monday with the book and I would model all of that. And then the teacher and the paraeducator's would be in the classroom with me too. It's the best thing when you walk into a classroom and they're using those strategies that you modeled the day or earlier in the week. So I definitely led it a couple times, but it was just really cool to see them reinforcing that throughout the day too. So we definitely get to use a team approach to make this happen. So it's not all us.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, like you, I've done... Both sides. Like recently, I had to help cover for SLP services, and I got to work with the Gen Ed population in the schools. And I could see why that collaborative teaching wouldn't work because their goals are very different. Maybe we're working on sound specific goals. But even in your group settings, you can definitely address those areas of literacy at the same time that you're targeting those other goals.
0: Mm-hmm. So amazing. Thanks for listening to the SLP Now podcast. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speech therapy PD. So yes, you can earn ASHA CEUs for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your SLP friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. See you next time.